Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. Today, I'm talking to Alejandro Aranda, also known as Scary Pool Party. This was a very inspiring conversation, and I truly mean that. It left me feeling very good for my day, so for the rest of the day after we did this. So uh, so I hope you get that feeling, too. Um, we learn all about his first experiences playing music and how his opportunity to join Twin Shadows Band was based on a total shoot-your-shot kind of moment that actually worked uh, into his time on last year's season of American Idol, where he was the runner-up. Uh, once I'm telling you, this conversation is really, really great. Uh, I'm so thankful that he was down to talk. Um, so, you know, Scary Pool Party just released a single called Return to Sunder. So if you haven't checked that out, go for it. It's a great song. It's very beautiful. Um, and as, as always, thank you for being here. I really hope you enjoy. This is my conversation with Alejandro. And this is the first ever podcast. Alejandro, thank you so much for doing this. Seriously, this is this is really awesome. This is cool. Oh, my God. I just want to say thank you, man. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, oh. Um, so, you know, you're in a are you you're from Pomona. Is that right? Yeah. Um, originally, uh, I lived in Boland Park for a couple of years and then I moved to Pomona at a young age and I just, you know, just stayed there. Uh, until my uh, graduation out of high school, and then I went to LA, and you know, it's hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, so you're you're an actual LA proper right now, then? Yeah, actually, LA oh, proper. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What part of town are you in? Uh, so I was in actually. You know what? I'm in. Is Redondo Beach in LA? sure let's say let's say yeah yeah why not <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was living i was living in i was living in silver lake for a minute and then i just moved to redondo beach so you know i'm in, I'm in that area it's been awesome was it like uh you needed to get out because because i could completely understand that living in silver lake <laughs> yeah um no you know just like a change of environment so to say um yeah you know being in la it's so it's so cultured like you can find anything you want from good food to good music. So, you know, I, I wanted to just see the ocean and um, just be in a different environment compared to, you know, being in the heart of LA and, um, and all that jazz. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to also say, I mean, it's also, it, it's totally okay to just say, I would like to just be able to park. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to be able to have a friend over and not have it take 45 minutes for them to find a, a place to park to <laughs> come inside. Yeah. Driving from like Hollywood to like Silver Lake takes about, I don't know, probably an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's uh, whenever, whenever I have a friend who moves to, to Southern California, you know, to LA area, you know, they're, they're always like, yeah, I'm moving to Koreatown. I was like, cool. I uh, hope you come oh, over to man. my place because there's just literally no way I'll ever find a place to park. There's literally oh, no way. <laughs> I know, man. The, the parking out there is insane. It's like a war zone. Yeah. It, so it truthfully insane. is. It truthfully is. And it's uh, it's it's the constant feeling of um, of seeing a space that you're like, oh, my God, there's a space. And then it always has a hydrant. You're just like, well, <laughs> damn it. I feel like you start seeing, you've seen the movie, uh, beautiful mind with Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that's how you start seeing like algorithms of how to park and you're like trying to figure out if you're going to get a ticket or not and stuff like that. And you're just like driving right, around right, and you're, like, right. Oh shoot. Yeah. Oh my God. 
Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, that's great. You're living by the you're living by the water now. I feel like uh, that's got to be a little bit comforting for uh, the world we're living in now. So at least you can have that mental break to walk outside and at least you know be near the ocean or smell the ocean. All right, well, yeah, we could we could actually get into the podcast. I feel like we could do this for a while. Then and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Definitely. But um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, this whole show is about first experiences. So the first question is usually pretty broad with uh, with you know people that are musicians. But uh, what was your first experiences? Uh, with music in general, just like connecting to it as a young person? Yeah, um, my first real experience was um, uh, my uncle. My uncle's kind of like a, he's a really funny guy, but he, uh, we would go over as as a family and we would go visit my family and stuff and like go to his house and he would always have music playing and he would always be playing guitar and stuff. And he had like, um, he had his little band that he would play uh for the family <laughs> and they would play beatles covers and uh my first experience with music as far as like having fun and enjoyment was i was about nine nine or ten years old and i remember we went to his house all my family and he was uh he was playing some jams in in the living room and he was just going through you know the beatles discography <laughs> just going through it and uh my first experience of of really having a fun time and enjoying music was that, and I felt like it was a beautiful moment of like you know, being. Um, first of all, it's like it's the Beatles, amazing music, and then second of all, it's like it's my uncle and my family that's around. And we're all playing music, and it's it's uh, it was a really good time. So that was like my very first moment of really just understanding that music can be uh, worldwide and you know, it can, it can, you know, reach people from other sides of the world. And, um, at that moment it was like, so it was so touching, you know, and that was an amazing moment. So that's really sweet. Is your, uh, is your uncle still with us? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's still jamming. He's still playing that music, oh, man. That's he's, awesome. Yeah. He's a funny dude. Is he just so <laughs> thrilled watching, uh, watching how, uh, how your, how your music has, uh, has come along? Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think, uh, for any, for any family member, you're going to have that, like, like, whoa moment, you know, like for me, at least it was, it was like, I was playing bars and playing music for a long time. And, um, all of a sudden, like I got on a TV show and I was playing in front of like a lot of people. And then for them, it was like it's just a different feeling, you know. You're like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> it's like seeing <laughs> you. Play. It's like you. Wait, what? Like that. That was like the yeah. the the very moment of like playing from, uh, just like your family members kind of knowing that you play music to like like boom, like you know, I'm trying to be a musician. And so you know, right, it's crazy. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, do, was there was there any Beatles records that connected with you when you were young, or was it just sort of like the hits, like the, the what, what's the is it called like the number ones or whatever their greatest hits record is? I think that's what it is. I mean, to be totally fair with the with the Beatles, uh, as someone who like I enjoy the Beatles as as an entity, like I I own some of their records on vinyl, and you know I, I have all the respect in the world for them, but like. There's still a band that that I'll hear a song and I'd be like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that was the Beatles, you know, like because all their songs have been covered and covered and covered. And also they did covers and stuff, you know, so like um, so, yeah, I mean, I can imagine just because their greatest hits catalog is as massive as it is, you know, I'm sure it was just all exciting and all beautiful when you're when you're young and hearing that for the first time. Yeah, I remember just like, you know, like Abbey Road. Yeah, like that like iconic 
uh, cover of them just walking across and then it's like come together something, you know, Oh darling, you know, th those songs are kind of like, and, and a lot of songs from the Beatles, like, you know, kind of like paved the way in a sense of just like songwriting and stuff. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, moments in my life where I kind of like figured out like, you know, like, like I didn't get into Yellow Submarine until later on. And I was like, man, like these guys wrote some like really experimental stuff, but like their songwriting stayed the same, you know, like they're amazing songwriters. But the, uh, the first thing I remember from the Beatles was this DVD. Oh, I forgot what song. I forgot what songs they were playing. It wasn't Sgt. Pepper. It was um, it, it was like an actual like movie that the Beatles made. I think it was Help. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure. Oh man, what was it? Oh gosh. Or no, A Hard Day's Night. That was it. That was it. <laughs> it was A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. And so it was. Oh, it was okay, a DVD. Cool. Remember, I yeah, a DVD my my mom had, and I would always replay it. And I'm like, oh, these guys are cool. So. <laughs> Nice. And do you, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things I'm sure you've thought about this too, but um, when you look at the long cattle or like the amount of music that they put out, like they're so prolific in such the short amount of time that they were a band and like yeah. thinking about the jump from those first records and the, you know, like the bubblegum poppy sort of songs that they wrote up until like the weirdo experimental, you know, uh i am the walrus type shit that it's just like it's insane when you you know you're like you were you were not a band that long and you took such a long journey and you were like so busy during that time it's it's uh that's one of those things that i've always i think appreciated possibly the most about the beatles that you know they they did go that far in such a short amount of time yeah it's like what is it like six six years something like that, that. yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. sure i'm sure there's going to be some like beatles fanatics that are listening <laughs> yeah. to our conversation being like you didn't know the dvd off the top of your head how do you not know how long they were <laughs> it's like seven years uh, and 45 days <laughs> exact i'm like All right. exactly <laughs> uh so when so when did you get your uh like when did you start playing guitar were you super young or or when did you start with that yeah so i started playing guitar a little bit later in life um I kind of always like been interested in playing guitar and I dabbled with it um, throughout like throughout my high school because I was homeschooled my whole high school, like from kindergarten to high school. So my interests have always been ever changing of being like, you know, like I want to cook. I want to be you know a lawyer. I want to you know be a mathematician. Like I just want to do all this stuff. So um, when I picked up guitar, I was I think I, I, I dabbled with it when I was like 18, 17, 18 years old. And then I stopped. And then I think right when I turned 20 is when I really picked up guitar and then I picked up piano and I went full on like, like ham, man. Like I just like practiced every single day for about, I don't know, I would try to keep a practice regimen of about eight to nine hours a day. And I did that for a long time. I did that till... I think I hit about 23, 24 years old of keeping it every day, just practicing that long. And I just got obsessed. And so, you know, guitar is definitely a major part in my life now, but also piano. I kind of kept the same thing with that. And I say like when I turned 20, it was when it was really like, you know, let's, let's try to get good at this, you know? Right. What was, what was your first guitar? 
My first guitar was a Mitchell. It was like a Mitchell. I forgot what series it was, but it was the cheapest one at Guitar Center. And I, uh, I, it broke within, I don't know, you know like, <laughs> yeah. <about. laughs> it broke within a, like at least three months of playing it. And then my uh, guitar that I kept for a long time was a Taylor. It was one of their like travel series. And that was the guitar that I really cherish. And it, it's, you know, it's, it, I, I've had, I have it ever since. So, um, yeah, of course. It's Taylor. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny. The more I talk to people, everyone oh, was the was the Mitchell an acoustic or was it a, an electric? <laughs> yeah, it was an acoustic. Yeah, it was an acoustic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been talking broke. with people and uh, and yeah, so many people have like their first their first acoustic guitar was just like the most impossible thing to play. And it's and it's just like such a a uh, <laughs> a nod to not giving in that people, you know, we all just continue to try to do that no matter how fucked up it made our fingers, you know, just yeah. like, impossible <laughs> to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Do you remember what the first song you learned how to play was? I don't really remember. I, I kind of had a different approach towards uh, guitar because I didn't really know how to play at all <laughs> and so i want i would always look up to like uh you know like more like metal riffs so like slipknot and you know coheed and cambria i know coheed has like a pretty amazing like acoustic vibe to their music so i'm like i can't play these songs and so I'm, i was at first i was trying to like dabble into that kind of like metal zone and then i was like well let me just play with open tuning um and I started messing with tunings and then just started playing. And yeah, that, that's how I would play guitar. Like I wouldn't want to like learn a song. It's more of like, I was just trying to figure out what sounds good. Um, oh, okay. cause I didn't play in standard. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was a journey. So I, I'm curious. So if you're, if your influences for when you're starting to play guitar is like aggressive music or music like coheed which is you know uh, it's it's pretty power you know like power ballady or not ballady yeah. but like power riffs you know what i'm saying it's like rush yeah. but like for the the modern age um and uh so if you're doing that and you're and but you're also playing piano like was the aggressive music the motivation or were you still also playing around and playing really pretty stuff because i think i read an interview that uh, I think it was like your sister was into classical music. So was that mm. was that a part of the uh, the learning experience at the same time? Like that mixing of aggressive music and classical? Yeah, um, it it was more of like I I knew I knew from like the get when I started playing music, like I wanted to play aggressive music. But I have such a love for like Chopin and you know classical music in general. You know, um, I think they. I think classical music lends its hand into a lot of metal and it lends its hand into a lot of uh, aggressive music in the way that, you know, you listen to Franz Liszt and you're like, man, this guy shreds. And then you sure. <laughs> you listen to something like, you know, Coheed and Cambria, you listen to their riffs and what they're playing and they're kind of like, you know, playing as aggressively as some classical composers. And so I kind of like wanted to blend both areas and I kept piano classical and then i kept guitar more experimental and trying to uh you know push that element in, in its own way so i kind of kept them like 
separate from their own identities, you know, but got it now. Yeah. Then now it's like awesome. Cause the, the amount of work that I put into it, like I can blend both into one and I'm still experimenting and, and, you know, just like practice is never ending. So it's just finding that area. Yeah. I remember I worked at a record store in Burbank for five years or something like that, right out of high school. I decided to do that instead of go to college. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I remember I like, I never had any interest in classical music. And I think one of the best things that I got out of working at a record store was an introduction to, to a lot of genres that I wouldn't have found on my own. You know, I wouldn't have like gone researching for that. And, um, mm. the only classical composer that I, that I ever know that I connected with and like bought some CDs from at that time, um, was Eric Satie, because I think it, I think it connect it like it uh, informed a lot of like the saddest indie stuff that I was into. Did you ever get into Eric Satie at all? Do you like do you like him? No, no, I, I actually haven't. Um, I should though. I'm always yeah, into I mean, sad boy shit. <laughs> I won't pretend for a goddamn second that I know shit about classical. That I'm like, yeah, you got to get into this guy. But like, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe it's something you know, something you'll enjoy. And if you if you want to let me know some stuff that I should check out, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to have someone who's a uh, an actual you know, fan of the genre, be able to guide me in the right direction. I'd, I'd actually really <laughs> love that. You know, you know what? I, I've actually been really interested in, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say, but like, I think like Philip Glass, as far as like his piano works, you should definitely check out mm -hmm. his like just solo piano works. Cause it's like pretty amazing what he does as far as like, you know, you, you listen to like Debussy and Debussy is more like a beautiful, like, very you know um emotional composer and then mm -hmm. you listen to philip glass and he kind of like has the same not the same vibe of course he's more like eccentric and very more out there but i feel like he, he he's like definitely a discography you should check out as far as like his his work in general because I, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does uh as a composer because the dude's like he's dope okay yeah and then Brahms, of course, Johannes Brahms. You got to check out him. He's he's dope. <laughs> you go on forever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So so once you got, you know, a little more comfortable with playing guitar, did you ever start any bands? Like, did you ever start any, like, aggressive bands or anything like that? No, I wanted to, though. Um, I think that was the, the downfall of, uh, you know, being homeschooled. I wasn't very, uh, <laughs> I wasn't very social. I would go, I would go to hardcore shows, like, uh, like I, I would go to Aladdin Juniors a lot. Like I mean, I've seen I've seen you guys play at the Glass House at Touche Amore. Yeah, and like you know, I I've, I grew up going to shows, but as far as like my own band and uh, all that, like I just never thought like the music I was making. I was like, man, I don't think I can make a band. It's like it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's like I kind of had that <laughs> understanding of like, man, this is just like there's just no way I can get like three of my friends to drive out to some, you know, go to bedrock and just like practice for like three hours. It's like, we all got like these crazy jobs. Yeah, no, it's funny. It, it's, it's, uh, I guess it, it's all what we feel is the hard work. Cause I'm listening to you talk and like, listen to, I practice for nine hours a day, piano and guitar. I'm like, that sounds yeah. tough. Whereas like a lot of us are like, we learn how to do a bar chord and then we just, you know, convince our, <laughs> our friends to to slam on drums and behind it you know what i'm saying so <laughs> which is I'm dope. actually looking yeah I'm, look, yeah I'm looking at you being like man you work really really hard i just i just yell into a microphone with my dumb friends 
No. <laughs> I was looking at, you know, trying to figure out the timeline of, it, of everything. Was your connection to Twin Shadow pre-American Idol? Yeah, it was, uh, it was pre-American Idol. And um, and how did that come together? Oh, man. <laughs> it was... Uh, okay, I can, like, go from, like, the origin story of being, like, first of all, I'm a huge Twin Shadow fan. Uh, like, huge. Um I've been listening to his music since when you put out his first record. And like, I remember when I first heard his song forget, I just thought, you know, it was such a beautiful song. And like that whole album was amazing. Um, but a couple years went by listening to his music, being a fan, he would play at the glass house and I would go to watch or anywhere in LA, I would go watch him play. And, uh, it's about 20, it's like the end of 2017. I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was like bas- basically couch surfing uh, at a bunch of friends' houses and stuff, and I was with a good buddy of mine. I was sleeping on his floor, and I was looking for work and stuff. And um, I had my old Android phone that I can barely afford my Metro PCS bill on, <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, like I'm gonna just get this music out there, and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to reach out to some artists and uh, I basically made this video of uh, me playing. I'm, I'm for, I actually forget what exactly I was playing over his, one of his songs, but I was playing this arpeggio uh, kind of like piano esque thing. And um, I sent him a recording of that and I was like, Hey man, like really love your music. Uh, if you ever want to write, or, you know, just like chill, <laughs> you know, I didn't know how to say, like send up anybody. No, I just like, you know, I was like, if you ever want to do this, like, or play music or anything like that, uh, I'll do it. Like whatever you want, man. And so, uh, send him a DM on Instagram. And then I say the next day I was getting off of work and I was with my buddy and he texted me back and he says, uh, you free tomorrow? And I was like, what? Whoa. Like, yeah, yeah, man. And, you know, like to to someone that is a fan of an artist or like a band, like even the fact that he's like writing back meant so much. I was like, whoa, man, like this is crazy. And so I was like, yeah, I'm free. Whatever, t- whatever time you want, man, I'm there. And so, yeah. you know, it, it was like a it was a crazy moment. And so um went to his spot and. uh he was like such a you know nice dude and he was like hey can you um can you play like a song on your acoustic and uh i was like sure and because i brought my my equipment to, uh, to his house and uh i started playing some like acoustic songs that i've written and he was like wow like you know that's that's really good he's like you want to go to the go in the studio and like make some make some music um i was like sure and so we started jamming and from then on it was just you know like a a relationship of just talking about music and recording and then uh the first gig that he hired me with was um he was playing a tribute to prince um at hollywood forever and uh he was like hey like um 
there's a grand piano in the, in, you know, have, have you been to Hollywood forever? You know, the, are you talking about the inside or the outside, like the outside the, part so the, where you're playing the, like the inside? Yeah. The inside, the, the okay. The yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful. Oh yeah. It's, it's so beautiful in there and it's so calming yeah. in there. Yeah. And so that was, that was uh, a moment where he was like, if you want to play while people are walking in, uh, play some music. And uh, I think it would be a beautiful moment. And so uh, he just let me play on that piano for about an hour while people walked in. And um, that was my relationship with him. And it was, they became just like solely musical. And um, from then on, I kept working jobs. Sorry, Kiki's like, <laughs> she's meowing. But uh, I kept working these jobs and I kept doing my thing. And I was working at a warehouse and I was a dishwasher and uh, he texted me and he was like, you want to go on tour? Um, and I was like, yeah, uh, what do you want me to play? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, I want you to play synthesizer, you know, play bass, sing. And, you know, you kind of have to do a lot. And I was like, I'm down. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, he invited me on a tour and the, the tour was my first show. Uh, playing on the tour was opening up to a sold sold out crowd to Beck, which you know Beck is like you know he's so dope, and so yeah, uh, my first show was that. Where where was the show? Where was it was it? at the Honda. It was a Honda Center in Texas. It was in Houston. Houston, okay, Massive. yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is insane. Like, I'm like, you know, like I have so many friends because, well, you know, like as far as like touring and being a band, being in a band and being a musician, like these are like the stories that like you just like hear about for like once in a while. And I felt like for, for me, I was like so grateful because I know how hard it is to land a gig like this. And I was like, this is insane. And so um, that was my first traveling gig with him. And not only that. Before that uh, touring started, he had given me a microphone, an interface, a guitar, and all he told me was, I just want you to make demos and make music for you, and I don't want anything in return. Like, just make music. And I started crying. I was like, <laughs> I was like in the car with my buddy, and I'm like crying my eyes out. Yeah. Because, you know, I love music so much, and not only that, like, him being you know, making amazing records and I look up to him and for him to do that, you know, I was just so grateful. That's huge. Was, uh, was it, so was that a full U S tour with Beck, like opening for Beck? Yeah. So it was, um, it wasn't a full, it was like split. So we did, uh, I think we did about six dates with Beck and then we did the other with Alt J that was a, that was the other band that was huge. <laughs> so, okay. You know, it was a split between those and, what was crazy was I had never been out of California before meeting Twin Shadow. I had never been on a plane. I had never experienced travel. So all these, all this tour was flights. So I have extreme anxiety. <laughs> I'm going through all this. <laughs> and I just like, you know, I'm terrified of planes, like terrified. Oh, no. And I'm, and yeah. I'm like, I was like, you know what? This is worth it. Just keep going. And so I was like, yeah. I would land and I'm like, you know, throwing up and doing all that crazy shit. Oh no. And I, yeah. But I was like, you know what? It's worth it. Like we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play the show and I'm gonna 
try my best just to do the best I can, you know? So. Oh my God. I mean, I have probably some, some hella generic questions about American Idol, but you, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're not the most, uh, these aren't foreign to you. So, I mean, I'm just curious, like for one thing, like with, uh, with your personality side of it, like when they're creating the show with you on it, like, are they, are they like hamming up certain things about you in a way that, that like was uncomfortable or was there, or were they polite about it? Uh, not to like throw the show under the bus and like, they were trying to make you this one thing, but like, mm-hmm. how did, how was that with your comfort zone with, with how they have to develop your personality for it? Yeah. Um, well, how I, like how I approached it was, you know, for one thing, I was brutally honest with everybody on the show. Like I was like, listen, like I'm not used to this and I don't think I'll ever be. I'm not looking to be something that if you're trying to push me in a certain area or make me cry on TV, like that's not me. You know, that's not me. Like I'm, I'm trying to keep it real. And um, they were really polite about it. Like they were, there was a lot of moments where you can tell like a producer was just trying to be a producer and make a show. But as far as like the whole environment, I think there's a a strong, there's a strong attribute to being yourself. And um, there's such a a energy that you put out when you're doing that, that nothing seem, nothing will change if you're just being hundred percent you. And so I kept that in mind fully on the show. And of course, like there's, there's things that, you know, people want you to get excited about. Um, as far as like your life is changing, like a lot of people would say that, well, your life is changing and you know, your outlook is different. Like you have different opportunities now, but I've always kept it in my mind, like know exactly where I'm from and stick to that and don't change because I will never be happy with money and I'll never be happy with fame or anything like that. And that's what TV is like kind of driven by. So I kind of kept you know, close with my friends and kept it real on the set. And we just, you know, we made the show. We, I did the best I could, you know, as far as like being myself. And that was, that was the show, you know, it was definitely nerve wracking, but it was, uh, sure. You know, it it was just like how life, how life is so like, it's so changing and it develops and stuff. And that was like a point in my life where I was like hit with extreme, amount of anxiety, extreme amount of uh, nervousness and understanding that like, you know, if you're, if your thoughts and your, if your mind is basically like in the zone of being you and keeping true to the music, like nothing, everything around you can be burning, burning up, you know, but if, as long as you're there, like it'll be peaceful. So it was a lot of learning. No, I I can only imagine. I was also curious about like the stage setups. You know what I'm saying? Like I like I watched uh, like a (laughs) watched the best of you um, video (laughs) the other day, and it was like all your performances, and and I really enjoyed that. That yeah, I mean like as you mentioned, you played all originals, and I know that's like a big speaking point for um, for your time on the show, which I thought was really really wonderful. But like yeah, I mean like every every time you performed, obviously there's like another big production stage setup kind of a thing. Um, was there like a ton of rehearsals behind that or was it, 
was it uh like was your involved did you have any involvement in that at all like were you like hey can we try this or was it was it all the show just like telling you what's going to happen that performance yeah so the the show kind of like um was you know th- there was like certain things that you couldn't do as far as like because you you are just the contestant on the show right mm-hmm. and so um i saw the approach that they took to stage lighting and all that stuff and they were just like be here that usually had one uh like stage rehearsal uh before you filmed and then before that you had a bunch of like vocal stuff where they're like maybe you could sing this better like they would they would send you to a vocal coach and i and i thought that was pretty awesome like you know someone like me like i don't know anything about singing and i don't know anything about like vocal warm-ups and you know keeping your your you know your voice from blowing out like all that stuff like i don't know how to do that and so uh you do about five days of just doing the song that you're gonna record and um you have it with just uh, a vocal teacher and a piano player and then after that you do one day of practicing with uh the full band which is um there's this guy their music music director is uh chris pulley who is an awesome dude and he's used to play with uh with the pumpkins smashing pumpkins and stuff and so i would always try to talk to him like yo how was that and uh awesome dude um but then you would have the stage. So the stage was like one, you had about a day uh, of that where you just did one or two passes of the song and then you recorded the the actual taping. Um, but from beginning to end by like the live shows, which was I think like the top 10, the stage developed into this like crazy thing where you have like led screens on the bottom of your feet you have a spider cam that's like up top and so you had uh directors there and you had producers there and they're like okay like you got to do this look into the camera more and all this stuff and like you know it's intimidating for a hardcore kid because you're like man like (laughs) like what the hell (laughs) like i'm just trying to play music man but you know to like the craft of you know in the pop world they're used to that like, you know, pop, pop musicians and like people that are, you know, getting into like, I mean, I don't really listen to pop music, but like, you know, like the, the Kate, someone like Katy Perry is more used to singing into a camera and like, you know, looking at the camera and, and saying a vocal into this camera. Like, you know, you're kind of like taught that uh, by directors and stuff to like engage with the audience that's home. So that was like something so new to me that I was like looking to the camera while I'm playing this song. Like what the heck? Like this is weird. Right. And so, yeah, the stage got really intense by, um, by the live shows. And, uh, it was, it was kind of cool though. Like I didn't have any really involvement with like the lighting and stuff, but I wanted to, but like, you know, <laughs> it's just like so much you can do when you're trying to like, you, you know, you're, you're dealing with somebody that's dealing with other people on the show. And then you're like trying to give them your ideas and they're like, no, like, you know, I, I can totally see where that can fall off. So I, I tended just to be like, okay, like if we can do more of like, I would just like give like little ideas. I'm like, like, can we just do more like a darker vibe maybe? And, right. uh, and they did it. So, you know, they're really like, I know I mentioned Katy Perry, but you know, 
like they're all so nice and like such like amazing people and they're really good at their job. Yeah, I mean, I, that was obviously that's that's probably the most generic question I could ask, but I could ask, but like, yeah. yeah, like what did you have much of a relationship with the judges or was it or or not? Like was it was it like they came in and then sat down and did their thing and then left or or was there some personality involvement there? Yeah, I mean, um I I think Katie Katy Perry and then Lionel Richie uh, both really reached out. Luke Bryan is extremely nice too. Um, but I think more like both of them kind of like talked to me, um, off camera and just was like giving me encouraging advice and stuff. And, uh, I actually have a, a, like a pretty funny Katy Perry story. So, um, after the show, uh, we kind of like, um, she kept in contact and she was like, Oh, I really want to know where you're at and stuff. And we just met up at this restaurant <laughs> in, uh, Beverly Hills. And, you know, she was like being really funny and stuff. And she was like, just come to this restaurant and we just talk and just like talk music and all that stuff. I'm like, this is all right, cool. So uh, we yeah. go to the restaurant and, um, I'm waiting, uh, outside of the restaurant and I'm like sitting down. I was like, I, th I forgot what record came out, but I was like waiting to go listen to that record. But I was like, <laughs> I was like sitting down thinking about that. Uh, and I looked to my left and this really like nice low rider uh, pulls up and I go, Whoa, that's a nice low rider. And he pulls up in this car and this guy gets out and he starts walking towards me. And I'm like, I'm like, kind of like, I, I like look at him and I look down, I look at him again and I look down. And then he gets really close and I look and it's freaking Fred Durst, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm a huge, well, first of all, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Wes Borland fan. Like he's like an amazing, you know, his yeah, guitar he's a, playing. He's, he's like, a very creative guitar player. Absolutely. Super. Yeah. And so I was like, man, what? I was like, <laughs> I was like, Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah. So he like goes inside the restaurant, Katy Perry shows up and then, uh, I go up to her car and I'm like, yo, I was like, Fred Durst is in there. And she's like, what? <laughs> then we get out of the car and uh, we, go to, we go to our table. We pass Fred Durst. And then it was a, such a nice day. We're just talking. Uh, and then Fred Durst goes to our table and we start talking. And he starts talking about like the old days and then record companies and all this stuff. Like really, it was a really good chat. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, man, I was like, look at me. I was like, what the heck is going on right now? I was like, I'm sitting down <laughs> with Fred Durst and Katy Perry. We're eating some vegan burgers. Like what's going on right now? <laughs> like, yeah. Sick. It was such a dope. It was a, such a dope time. And like, you know, I can't. You know, the the amount of experience and like, you know, stuff that you get from stuff like that is like amazing. So it was just wild. <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, this is something that I've been curious of. So you signed to Hollywood Records, right? You're still on Hollywood Records? Yeah, I'm, I'm signed to Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. And is that something that comes with the show? Because it seems like a lot of American Idol artists end up on on hollywood is that fair to say or am i misjudging that no no yeah you're totally right um so you get on the show and then they're basically like there and if you get like first second or third it's just like a, a way of signing an artist and then yeah 
Okay. And, and what, like, how was that for you? Was it a, was that like a really nerve wracking experience dealing with a record label for the first time? Well, you, you, well, you know, like record labels can either be really intimidating or they can let you do your thing. And so Mm -hmm. I was scared more on the end of like, like, I just don't want for, I don't want my creativity to be taken away. And so I told them that and I was like, listen, like, I just, I'll do my best just to be fully myself if you guys allow me to. And they did. And so it kind of took off a lot of, um, it took a lot of stress off my shoulders once I started creating music and they were checking in and it it became like a really good relationship. So um, for me, at least I've had a really good experience. And um, I love that. I mean, by, by now going under scary pool party, I was curious if that was a way to, sort of not necessarily like shed your skin from the American Idol thing and have this other identity, but uh, not in like a negative way, but did that play a role into it? Hmm. Yeah. So originally I had, so I was going by scary pool parties as the Instagram handle. And, um, before the show, uh, I had played a little gig where I went by that. So this gig that I played was in Hollywood. It was at, uh, man, what was that place called? It was called the study. It was like this, like, uh, random bar in Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. It's like a bar. And I went by scary pool party then. And I was like, I was like, well, first of all, the name I'm like, okay, (laughs) like it could either go like really bad or really well. I don't know. Um, but as far as like, for an artist, I wanted to, I wanted to make a space where I can make any genre and feel okay with putting it out. Cause I feel like, you know, certain artists and especially for myself, I I can tend, I tend to put myself in a box where I'm like, okay, like I just want to make just solely acoustic music or I want to make, you know, just solely, you know, emo, like for first to last style, like guitar riffs, like, you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, um, I wanted to make a space where I can like create anything and just, you know, put it out. And so, uh, when I was on the show on American Idol, uh, I kept with just scary pool party as, you know, as an artist name and I kept with it. Like I would just post music to Spotify. I would have stuff on YouTube and, you know, I would do a lot of that stuff. And so I think coming off of the show, a lot of people, which understandably, it, like a lot of people were really confused. Like they're like, why is he going by scary pool party? Like, I don't get it. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like really almost like for people like that, that saw the show and saw me to understand that like this, I'm not just making this music just to like be different. Or like, just, I'm not trying to steer away from my own name. I'm just like, I've been like this for a long time. And, and so I, I just want to make that safe space of just being creative and trying to put out music exactly what inspires me. And so I think for that reason is like, that's why I kept the name and I kept, I keep going by it and, you know, it's just you know, the way it molded, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. If if it like allows you to have creative freedom to where something like having it just be your name feels so like if it was it was you know if it was just your first and last name it would feel more, um, I guess solidified in one thing. 
you know, but having, mm. having a, uh, having a, like a code name, I guess, you know, it, it allows you a lot of more creative freedom, at least, you know, mentally, I think, is that fair to say? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I get yeah. that. And now, uh, now you just put out a single on Friday, right? Called return yeah. to Sunday. Yeah. yeah did you, did. Now, yeah. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Was that now, is this a song that you, you, wrote and recorded during this uh during during the shutdown here or is this something you had been working on so i had this song um i like made it uh it's like a two-year-old demo almost and um wrote it two years ago and i had this idea of like you know kind of like having like a like a dilla type drum beat on it and i was like man this isn't really working and so uh my friend keller moore who's from nashville uh texted me and this was like two years later this was like a couple months ago and uh he was like hey um you remember that song that you posted on your instagram and i was just like which one and he was like that he sang the melody line and i was like yeah he's, he's like would you be down to finish it and like remaster it and stuff. And I was like, let's do it, man. And so we did it via Dropbox of just, I just sent him all my files. I sent him the vocals. He laid live, live drums on it and put some bass. And uh, yeah, we just did that via internet. <laughs> and so we made that track, which is so awesome, man. Like I can't imagine. That's, uh, like, that's the 2020 <laughs> way. That's the 20, that's, that's 2020 that's way. <laughs> yeah, it's how we're doing it. It's how we're doing it now. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, my last my last question for you is uh do you remember the first time where you felt like you were actually like doing the thing that you know you'd worked so hard towards? I feel like you've mentioned a couple couple big career <laughs> yeah. highlights already so far. So I don't know if you have another one, but I'm 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 ultra curious. Um when I okay, so yeah, there was a there's a lot of like life defining stuff in my life that I'm like, wow, this is like I don't deserve this. <laughs> like this is amazing. Like um there was this one moment uh it was right after the show. I played a, a first acoustic tour and then we booked a fall tour and we had sold out all the venues and I was just like, what? Like out of nowhere, just playing a fall tour. And my, my manager was like, yeah, we're going to get you a, we're going to get you a bus and all this stuff. And I was like, a bus. <laughs> I was yeah. like, dude, like, <laughs> you know, you know, like, it's just like, it was so crazy. I'm like a bus, like, this is insane. But, um, my band members and everybody, we played this first show, my band members and everybody were on the bus and, you know, such a like an amazing vibe. I like surrounded myself with really good, really good friends that I could, you know, like anyone could dream of. Like they're such amazing people, and we're all on the bus. And I remember we got done playing that set, and just being on the bus and with all my friends, and just being like, man, like I, I, <laughs> I started crying. I cry a lot, but I cry, I cry on the bus. Aww. And then like my my uh, my photographer that was on uh, the tour, his name's Joey, um, amazing dude, just hugged me. And he was just like, you know, because we all understand like how hard, uh, how hard it is to get to that moment, a place of being like, even being comfortable on a bus, 
like this means so much like you know like it, it just it was such a defining moment in my life where i was like wow like you know like any step that i that i that i've taken like i'm glad because we're here now and this is such a defining moment and i just want to work harder and practice more and you know just be in that be in that same headspace and so Man, well, seriously, thank you so much for your time. I, I really enjoyed this interview. It was extremely insightful. Um, I, I, yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much, man. Like for real. Like I can't even believe I'm like we're, like we're doing this right now. That's awesome. Like huge. <laughs> I'm I, I'm serious. Like you know, like like two. Well, first of all, like Touche Amore as like as as your band and you guys all together making music. Like your songs, especially like, you know, songs like Honest Sleep, Just Exist and, and Praise Love. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of songs that you have really have like a strong uh, implement in my life. So I just want to say thank you for that. And thank you Damn. for your artistry. Yeah. Damn. Means a lot, man. Thank you again. Seriously. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast page to help the show just kind of get more visible to other listeners. Uh, This is a new project, as I mentioned, so I'm really grateful to be able to share these conversations going forward. So anything you can do to help spread the word is a huge, huge help. Uh, Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.